Welcome back to Tay Learning. My name is Olivia. And my name is Danny, and we are your co-hosts. Today is exciting because <laughs> we're continuing our John Mayer story. You guys have loved our original John Mayer episode. It's our top listened to episode, and with good reason. I think it's a good one. I've listened to it more than once myself, personally. So <laughs> That's rare for Olivia, by the way, because... Yeah. I don't Olivia listen back. doesn't listen to the episodes. We publish them and she's like, yeah, I'll get to it one day. And yeah. I listened to it right after publishing this to make sure there's like no problems or anything. And when I really like it, I tell Olivia like, oh, we were on it that episode. We really worked those mics. And then I listened to it. <laughs> I'm like too embarrassed. I need time to distance myself from what we put out so I can listen to it like objectively and not. I'm just like always worried that I'd said something embarrassing. So that's fair. And for what it's worth, we both usually do. So I understand the concern. (laughs) But the John Mayer episode, I feel like was such a turning point in the podcast, because Mm -hmm. while we had already done some muses episodes up until that point, John Mayer had so much piping hot tea. And there was so much that we learned that we were excited to talk about, albeit dark. So you can hear our excitement in that episode and additionally as we're teaching each other things it's like oh my god oh my god I didn't know that did you know that yeah it was very very fun to do it shed a lot of light on what was going on for Taylor at that time and we recorded that episode before Midnight's even came out so if you are even kind of in the know about what's been going on in the Swifty community you know a lot has happened since before midnights and onward so we have some catching up to do we are going to do a very quick recap of that episode and i mean like actually quick you've probably listened to it recently and or it probably embedded on your brain like it did mine but before we do that we're going to take a quick break to talk about our sponsor Before Danny hops into giving a short synopsis for like a little refresh, if you have not, for some reason, listened to the original John Mayer episode, go do your homework, go do that now, come back for Danny's recap. It's a lot of really good context for what's coming here. This might be a little bland compared to the meat of the John Mayer story. So listen to that episode, come back, we'll see you in a few. I wholeheartedly agree with you, and not just because I want to promo that episode, but because the layers to the John Mayer situation are just, they sound comical. Like, they sound unreal. I can't even wrap my head around it to this day, and it's been almost a year somehow since we've recorded that episode. It's so crazy. What? (laughs) Excuse me? (laughs) So weird. I mean, like 10 months, but almost a year, basically. Yeah. Yeah. So... Here's the very, very quick synopsis on what happened. All right. So Taylor and John meet when Taylor is very, very young. Obviously, it takes a while for a relationship to actually begin blooming. But what we do know is she was actively dating Taylor Lautner at the time and trying to build a relationship with him. But he didn't light a fire in her. He didn't spark anything. Not really, even though she wanted him to. sparks fly. No sparks (laughs) were flying, baby. So she really wanted it too and for some reason it just wasn't doing it for her no matter how cute he was no matter how much the world loved him no matter how great he was to her she does connect with John Mayer he does ignite something within her which we'll talk more about later and we kind of talked about in last week's episode they begin this 
halfway there, halfway not there situationship thing that lasts for several months. And during this time, John Mayer is the center of quite a bit of controversy, not as much as it would be today, because he is doing interviews with Rolling Stone and with Playboy that are really, really naughty. I don't really want to repeat it maybe at all but definitely not much so please go listen to the john mayer episode if you want to hear recaps on those specifically but he says racist things he says misogynistic things he says just downright disgusting things with his full chest and these interviews are still available online if you really want to expose yourself heavy trigger warning if you want to go read any of that stuff their relationship was brief and volatile, and we have reason to believe, which again we expand on in the original John Mayer episode, that he was pressuring her sexually, and she was not quite there, she was not quite ready, and as a result, he did not treat her very well, and she kind of just put up with how he treated her. As the relationship began to dissolve, as it became very clear that things were not going in a way that she felt was self-respecting and appropriate, Dear John gets written, gives a little bit more insight into that situation because he has a power play with her. It's very much, I'm smarter than you. You're a dumb little girl attitude, and that does not sit well with Taylor ultimately. The relationship ends, but it doesn't go out without a bang because John Mayer, after the relationship has already fizzled and she's written Dear John, he awards her an award and says that they are like swans together, whatever he said, in their industry. Yeah, and he was the same. <laughs> yeah, like only They're so a special. <laughs> and I guess I forgot the important context that they did record a song together, which is what kind of kicked yeah. things off. They recorded Half of My Heart together and he called her the Stevie Nicks to his Tom Petty. He was praising her really, really, really hard leading up to them actually having a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that because she'd always looked at John Mayer as like a, an idol, she was so excited when she found out he even knew she existed. So she, you know, fell in really hard, really fast. And then it was a don't meet your heroes moment for her because he ended up being a problem for her. Obviously it's the summer of 2010. She's already written Dear John. He awards her that award. They hug on stage. She gives her speech. And then we have the CMT Awards where she feels alone in a crowded room and they're not speaking. And she just misses when things were fine between them. She writes the story of us. The album is over. And the relationship doesn't totally stop there because very obviously Speak Now comes out later that year. And in an ad for Target, she explicitly says, I'm dropping names. And Dear John not just alludes to John Mayer it is about John Mayer Mm -hmm. not just because the words dear John I know people have arguments for it being about other people she uses his guitar whammy his guitar lick in that song to target who it's about John Mayer doesn't take that super great and he calls her songwriting cheap and releases paper doll which is very clearly about her we unpack those songs in the episode about John Mayer initially all of this to say kind of moves into here we are a decade later over a decade later when it got to a decade later john seems to have kind of moved on he's kind of joking about the song lover but he's friends with sean mendez i guess and sean mendez and taylor swift are friends and he seems to have moved on so i guess we all kind of thought that taylor had moved on too so our john Mayer episode more or less concludes with me saying i'd like to think he's grown which for the record I I feel like people do grow, even if they're pieces of shit, like they still can grow. But we kind of learned toward the end of that episode that, or believe we have learned that they've both moved on and grown up. So that leads us to where we are at today. 
because when the song would have, could have, should have came out, me and Olivia were under the impression that, oh, that's more than a decade ago. They've both moved on. He's become a better person, which to that point, he might have become a better person, but that song shed some light on how bad he truly was at the time. That is the synopsis. Again, I know that was quite a bit, but we really break it down in the John Mayer episode, obviously. So if you have not, that was not enough context for what we're about to talk about. Go listen, no. come back. Yeah, that was a review for those who have definitely listened. We are going to be building upon things we've said in that past episode, so we can't drill it harder. Definitely listen to that episode. Like That episode is the basis for what this episode is. So here we are. It is October 21st, 2022. And me and Olivia are up at actual 3 a.m. listening to the 3 a.m. tracks. And the song called Would Have, Could Have, Should Have comes on. And we realize right then and there that at some point, we need to cover what happened because this shoots us back in the timeline and we've got more to unpack. Yeah. And as soon as she said, at 19, we were like, oh, shook, bro. It's like, we know who this is about. Awful. So that brings us to what where we are now and we need to cover more John Mayer. And as I was looking into this, I feel like there are, bits and pieces that we need to explore that happened before midnights that we didn't think were significant during our original timeline. I do have a couple points that just build context because there's a lot of layers into what's going on with John Mayer and Taylor Swift currently. So we're going to start on March 14th, 2021. It's the Grammys. This is the Grammys where Taylor wins album of the year for folklore. So she is present at this Grammys ceremony and John Mayer is also there and he performs that night so she's aware that he's there she watches him perform he watches her perform they're at the same thing they didn't really interact nobody interviewed about anything but this happened they're in the same place at the same time seeing each other exist November 12th 2021 red tv comes out the internet bullies Jake Gyllenhaal and it gets people thinking What's going to happen when Speak Now Taylor's version comes out? Jake is getting his shit handed to him. And so people start preemptively bullying John Mayer. You know, it's been going on for years, but this is when I first started to notice it kind of trend. Like it's, it's a funny trend to bully Taylor's exes that did her wrong that she's not on good terms with in, a, mm-hmm. in certain circles in the Swifty community. Which important note right here, we say this in the John Mayer episode. We've said this on our TikTok. Mm-hmm. Don't bully strangers, y'all. Like, even if they deserve it. And there's a lot of reasons that we'll unpack in this episode for John Mayer to deserve a heavy dose of bullying. Yeah. But don't, don't do that. Taylor doesn't want that. She's proven that she doesn't want that. And probably more importantly, what you say really probably won't impact them as much as you think that it will. No. So just don't do it. And we say time and time again, like, it's one thing to discuss it and make funny jokes in our fandom circles on the internet. These people should not be browsing the Swifty corners of the world, right, to protect themselves. Don't seek them out and drag them into it. Like, Taylor's going to handle her relationships how she wants to handle her relationships. Let her do what she wants to do. 
but I think it's not the end of the world for us to joke amongst each other as long as we don't push it outside of our circles. My best example is I call Jake Gyllenhaal Jake Jiggle Hips on this podcast. Yeah. If you know, you know. <laughs> and as one of our listeners sent us in an email, shout out. <laughs> but if I ever met him in person for some reason, if I ran into him, I wouldn't be like, "What's up, Jiggle Hips?" Because that's fucking mean. Yeah, so, like, stop. You know, we, can, we can say it amongst ourselves, but don't go comment on someone's Instagram. Don't go DM yeah. them. Don't and if you see them in person, don't. I don't know. Don't be a bully. Yeah, like, come on. Taylor got the last word with these people. She has it taken care of. Like, <laughs> yeah, mother can protect herself. No, but like, Literally. seriously, she she can handle her shit. She's proven she can handle her shit. I'm sure she loves the defense. But right now, a lot of Swifties, I love you all. You're playing offense. Yeah, you're doing too much. Do I think it's important for us to discuss amongst each other, even like beyond joking, like the impacts that these men have on women and how that's fucked up because that's the only way we're going to change things in the future is to discuss and hold men accountable. Holding men accountable isn't also being shitty yourself. It's in your real life. If you're experiencing a John Mayer is to stand up for yourself in that situation, not bully John Mayer in his yeah. DM. And catch it <laughs> when it happens because yes. her shedding light on the grooming and on the mistreatment that she had at that age, she can't go back and change that. But what she perhaps can do, and perhaps what you and I can do, Olivia, when doing this podcast and shedding light on these problems, is if it even saves one girl, if her music saves one girl from going through what she went through, yeah, it's worth it. Absolutely. So therefore, fair to talk about, fair to joke about amongst ourselves. And yeah. that is our opinion. <laughs> So yeah, basically nothing happens between them that we didn't cover in our last episode that at least we know of, right? And then Midnight's comes out October 2022, would have, could have, should have, but damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. It's a dead giveaway for us, right? This is John Mayer. And she also has the line, stained glass windows in my mind. John Mayer lived in a renovated church with stained glass windows. He when they did. did. See, that was a detail that didn't seem that important, but it is this beautiful two-story condo, and it's in a former parish, and mm -hmm. he lived there, like, into the, he lived there in 2005, or he moved there in 2005, and at the time, he was dating Jessica Simpson, and she rented a first-floor unit in that same place with her sister, which, by the way, just, like, as a funny note, because I do think it's funny, this uh house this condo sorry was on sale earlier this year and a couple of swifties went and tried to buy it it's like two and a half million dollars let's be clear yeah. but they went in there and they put in to buy the place so that they could make a tiktok being like we're gonna buy the renovated parish and then they were like immediately shut down by the bank like no the fuck you're not <laughs> two and a half million dollars it was really funny that they had it like as pending, like under contract for several weeks, stopping anyone else from getting it because they tried. That's so chaotic. But the point is, one thing that has really kept that original parish look are the stained glass windows. So if it wasn't clear that would have, could have, should have is about John Mayer, it really feels like it is now because we can assume pretty safely that she spent time in that condo. And if what we said in the John Mayer episode is accurate, if our speculations are correct, he tried to pressure her into situations that she was not ready for yet. And 
I, I want to say like trigger warning. It's going to be in the description for this. And we kind of said at the beginning of the episode, but we're going to talk about some dark stuff here because it's John Mayer. My mind paints this incredibly dark picture of him trying to pressure her in a situation she's not ready for in this yeah. apartment. And she literally visually sees stained glass windows. Because what we do know from his awful interviews is he was very sexually frustrated. So in our brains, we kind of put two and two together there with who he was seeing at the time, who is widely known to have taken those next steps with Taylor, and it's not John Mayer. Um, so that that's where we draw our conclusions to the best of our ability. And I, I really like, okay, when we're talking about Taylor Swift and about her personal life, we always walk this fine line as people who have just endless empathy for her and so much love and so much respect. And when we talk about her personal life, at least for me, I always feel this almost icky feeling of, man, I, I hope that nothing that I would say would upset her or offend her if she ever did listen. And I would love to have real conversations with her, which will probably never happen about these things. So as we get into these really dark topics and as we get into this speculation, I just want to make it so clear how much we respect her and how much we love her and how much when we have these conversations, the hope is that nobody else falls into these dark situations if they have her as a blueprint of things to avoid and what not to do. And same with us when we talk about it and red flags you can spot in your own relationship. That is my preface as I say this. Mm-hmm. I have a handful of friends who, by definition, lost their virginity from rape. And they, every single one of them, chooses to not identify that that is when they lost their virginity. It's like, mm-hmm. yes, that is the first time that I technically had sex. I did not give my virginity to them. Therefore, I lost my virginity to xyz next person whatever because that was my choice that was my virginity if we are running on the assumption based on the clues and easter eggs and stuff that she has given to her fans to give insight into her life because she has a parasocial relationship with us as well mm-hmm. that she lost her virginity to jiggle hips then it's not totally out of the question to assume that that was the person that she gave her virginity to versus another situation and I'm not going to stand up here and I'm not going to say oh she was raped she was sexually assaulted because I can't say that with any certainty no yeah what I can say is that whatever he did do whether it was taking it that far or whether it was yelling at her and throwing things when she decided Mm -hmm. not to no matter what it was it was so deeply deeply traumatizing and I like it almost like makes me want to cry when I think about how so many women go through that kind of thing. And for her sake, I hope that it was never taken that far. But this song, the way she bears her soul, makes me actually concerned that Mm -hmm. it did get taken to a further level than we initially speculated back in the original episode. Yeah, that's something that's important to like remember too, right? That Taylor puts her work out there that's subject to interpretation. And we explore all facets of that interpretation and would have could have should have does take it to like another level and you know she doesn't describe right a sexual assault or anything like that but she describes something that was traumatic that haunts her to this day right that could be sexual that could just be 
a really awful argument. What we do know about John Mayer, like I said, he was sexually frustrated at this time. He was not a good person. He was not a sober person. And we know from Jessica Simpson's mouth, his ex at this time, that her relationship with John Mayer was so traumatizing that it drove her to alcohol and substance abuse. So we know the context that John Mayer was a piece of shit especially during this time so we can hardly imagine like what could have happened behind closed doors and whether it was sexual or not it was deeply traumatizing and it was more traumatizing than even dear john led on at the time when speak now came out there's a lot of media attention on taylor swift for quote weaponizing her fans against people and i don't think that taylor swift does that i really want to hammer in that while we have a parasocial relationship with taylor swift and we're aware of it she really really has one with her fans too and oh yeah it's it's crazy how strong her relationship with her fans is and it is parasocial because she doesn't know us either she knows Mm -hmm. us as like one big embodiment and when she gets to meet fans individually of course that crosses that line but you know what i'm saying And I don't think she weaponizes fans against people. I think that she sees it as telling her friends what happened to her. When I think about You're Losing Me, when she released You're Losing Me, which is absolutely trying to give fans specifically, because she didn't release it to streaming, an idea of what happened with her and Joe Alwyn. She's not telling her fans, go shit down his throat, go attack his Instagram. She's not saying that. She released You're Losing Me as a way to give insight to her fans about what happened, her real fans. That's why it's not on streaming. It was a CD because she wanted to give that insight. She didn't want people to go attack Joe Alwyn. She wanted to tell people an idea of what happened, a really intimate idea of what happened, not weaponize people against him, give people insight. And that is how I feel about would have, could have, should have in particular, but in really every song that she writes that has a very targeted subject is telling her fans, this is what happened to me. Not go attack this guy, not feel sorry for me. Just, it feels like she's having a gab sesh with her girlfriends almost. Like, guys, this happened to me. Yeah, I think people forget that she feels close to her fans. And people forget that when she's interviewing and she's like, yeah, I don't like it when the media speculates about my exes. I don't like when people reduce me to my exes. Her fans aren't reducing the songs that she skillfully writes to the men she dates that's not what we're doing even when we discuss the context and like who we think songs are about we're not reducing her skill to her exes because we know her skill i think that she does not intend for those statements to be reflected on her fans because she considers us a different entity we're her safe space she's talking about general media people who aren't taylor swift fans that are like she just writes breakup songs that's who she's talking about so i think Fans need to give each other more grace when we're discussing these topics and understand that we're not coming from a place of wanting to gossip about Taylor's life, of like wanting the next clickbait article about Taylor Swift's exes. We're discussing her exes in terms of concern for her and what she has told us. Because if you don't think it's clear what a song is about, you aren't listening to what she's telling you. Mm -hmm. She wants to give that insight. And if she didn't, she wouldn't have to. We've said on this podcast before, she could lie. If somebody yeah. 
didn't have green eyes, she could say green eyes to throw you off their trail. But she doesn't do that. She wants her fans to know, her real fans to know. And yes, it irritates her when she's on the red carpet and she's nominated for Grammy Album of the Year or something. And they're like, aren't you going to go home with a lot of men tonight? Or like, what if you run into Harry Styles tonight? That bothers her. Yeah, as it should. It, it as it as it absolutely should, but it does not bother her. I don't think if she releases a song that is very clearly targeted at a specific subject, and her fans are like, "Wow, my girl is hurt." Frankly, I I really don't like when there are people, even in our fandom or outside of our fandom, of like, "Why are you speculating on her life? You don't know about it." I'm like, I know everything she is willing to tell me, which is not minimal. Yeah, and to like. We tell you point blank when we're speculating. We're never going to make a broad sweeping, this is for sure fact statement about Taylor Swift's personal life because we are aware of our parasocial relationship with her. We're aware we don't know her. We're not acting like we know her. So we're going to tell you all the different angles that something could be interpreted. Literally the only time that we'll say that is when Taylor does when like she was on the Ellen show and she's like yeah that guy broke up with me pointing at Joe Jonas yeah like forever and always is about Joe Jonas he broke up with me on a 27 second phone call that's from our girls literally so (laughs) funny like she used to out herself all the time and I really think that she's reined it in because publicists have told her to over her life and because she's learned her lesson but she can't help herself she has to tell her fans what happened. She has to do it. It will eat her alive if she doesn't. And I think we see the example of that in Would Have, Could Have, Should Have. Not giving more context to what happened with John Mayer, stopping it at Dear John, and moving on from there. It was still eating at her. She's like, man, I got to tell him more of the full story. Yep, especially because it later comes out that Would Have, Could Have, Should Have was written with Aaron Desner during their time in LA for the 2021 Grammys, which that's recent to be writing such a heart-wrenching song about something that happened to you at 19. Mm -hmm. Next, this is just context. May 5th, 2023, Taylor announces Speak Now Taylor's version at the Eras Tour in Nashville, which just triggers even more intense John Mayer bullying because he's next. He's next. He's the next Jake Jigglehips. Like <laughs> <laughs> Danny's gonna spit out her truth. <laughs> yeah, I, would, I took a sip of coffee when she said that, and it almost came out my nose. <laughs> Amazing. So yeah, that's just for context. It's not directly related to him, but you know, May sixteenth, twenty twenty three. Another context point. Taylor Lautner is on the Today Show, and he's asked how he's feeling about Speak Now, Taylor's version coming out since there's at least one song about him on that album, and he says, quote, I think it's a great album. I feel safe. Praying for John, though. And the media, the the Swifties, take this, and we're like, favorite ex, fuck John Mayer. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, is that around the same time that he did the TikTok, too? Yep. The next day, because Swifties are, like, blowing this up, right? And he's getting a lot of, like, good publicity from this. The next day, he gets on TikTok. And he posts a TikTok of him getting on his knees and praying. And the caption is, pray for John. And Dear John by Taylor Swift is playing as the audio. And that just goes viral. Over 5 million likes alone. Like, viral. And everyone's just 
doting on him about it and it's increasing that john mayer hate right like it's it's gearing up gearing up gearing up the next day may 18th 2023 taylor Lautner clarifies that he was obviously joking he's obviously joking and he adds quote i personally think john is a very talented musician but i am aware of a couple songs that were on that album and I bet you Taylor Swift, our girl Taylor Swift, who we know is friends with Taylor Lautner and his wife, Taylor, as well. I know she's like, come on, Taylor. Like, I've built my entire career. I'm not confirming who my songs are about. And you're out here outing me. Stop. <laughs> you're the one saying that Back to December is about you. You're the one saying that you know at least a couple songs are about John Mayer on Speak Now. Get your shit together, my dude. And the important, like another important piece of context, I think it was back in April, maybe. I guess I didn't look up an exact time. But they are recording the I Can See You video together in yes. London. Yes. So, so they're hanging out. We know they're being buddy-buddy. <laughs> We know they're chatting, and I think you're right. I think she probably texted Taylor and was like, Taylor Swift texted Taylor Lautner and was like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> I, I just, like, have this picture in my head that probably didn't happen, but of Taylor Lautner being like, oh, come on, it's pretty funny. And she's like, yeah, it's funny, but don't – now it's a headline. <laughs> Stop it. Like, like, I know you, that you've like, got your You podcast. don't understand my level of fame. I'm sorry that you're a baby celebrity. Bye. Yeah, like, I know you're B minus. You got your podcast going and you haven't done acting <laughs> in a long time. I'm glad you're very happy. But anytime anything happens. And she and uh, Joe Alwyn had just broken up in early to mid-April. So she's trying to bury these stories and have the story be the Eras Tour is highest grossing. The Eras Tour is their longest uh, tour ever. And then Taylor Lautner's like, but you know what's funny? <laughs> John Mayer. Awful. Apparently, Taylor Lautner's wife, Taylor, called him out on it. She's like, you're going to rile up the Swifties. Like that, they're going to take that and run with it. And he was like, yeah, she was right. (laughs) People have no idea who they're dealing with when it comes to Swifties. It happens time and time again. Yeah, I bet Taylor Swift was like, why the fuck didn't you consult me before you did this? I would have told you that was a bad idea. (laughs) To be fair, it was very funny. It was very funny. I was gagged when I saw it. I was like, no way he just did this. Ah, He's such a shitster. But that's important for the context of people are being relentless. Like it, it just somehow gets worse and worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. And it was bad two years ago. And people like started to get their history lessons on who Taylor Swift has dated and what happened. Like all of John Mayer's TikToks are like Dear John references. And now they're just like worse. They're like the comments themselves are worse. Mm -hmm. So that context is all important because it's June 24th, 2023. Taylor Swift is performing at her Minneapolis show on the Eras tour. And she wanted to ask her fans during her surprise song session to practice kindness and gentleness. And she says, I'm 33 years old. I don't care about anything that has happened to me when I was 19, except the songs I wrote. So what I'm trying to tell you is that I'm not putting this album out. So you should feel the need to defend me on the internet against someone you think I wrote a song about 14 million years ago. (laughs) And also says, I'm putting this album out because I want to own my own music. And I believe that those who have the desire to own their own music should be able to. That's why I'm putting out this album. And she continues on and says, we do not care. We're all grown up. We are good. So I'm saying that because only because I am proud of it as a song, 
I'm going to play Dear John. Just how we know she was referencing John Mayer. <laughs> and she says, someone you think I wrote a song about. Listen, I know that there is a subset of this fandom that thinks that Dear John is about Martin Johnson from Boys Like Girls. And we'll talk about him at some point later. That song is definitively not about anybody other than John Mayer. We know this nah. for so many reasons, but it's just not. And I know we basically like literally just said that we try not to make these definitive statements um, when we're when we're basically speculating, right? And we often are when it comes to songs, unless she straight up says like this is, song is about this person. But we clarify for speculating when there's like little to no evidence about who a song is about. And there are so many reasons why we believe that it's about John Mayer. He basically outed himself when he called it cheap songwriting. But basically, yes, I'm speculating. But I'm speculating and I feel very strongly about it. I feel very passionately that this song is about John Mayer. And there's other reasons. He uses his guitar lick. It explicitly describes things that happened to her that Jessica Simpson has been very open in her book about what John Mayer did to her. She uses mm-hmm. the phrase, Dear John, and only got away with not being sued about it because Dear John is a phrase for a type of letter. Mm-hmm. She even says in the Target yeah. ad, this time, I'm dropping names, which is funny because she's done that before, but like she's yeah. really dropping names. It was like her thing at the time that she wasn't afraid to drop names because she she did it. Drew looks at me. Hey, Stephen, dear John. Like this was like her trademark in her early things that she was the unhinged teenager that if you fucked up her life, she'd fuck up yours worse. <laughs> mm-hmm. If people don't want me writing bad songs about them, then they shouldn't do bad things. And I feel like John Mayer was the the ending point for that thing because we speculate that he very likely sent her a really nasty email that really upset her in the wake of Dear John and she never wrote a boy's song into a, a boy's name into a song again. Taylor did say to People magazine way back when, quote, a lot of times when people's relationships end, they write an email to that person and say everything they wish they would have said. A lot of times they don't push send. Putting this on the album was pushing send but this was her version of being like okay well i'm not going to attack you personally but i am going to put this out publicly yep but she didn't want people going after him again and i say this in one of the tiktoks that kind of popped off a little bit i don't think that it was just because she didn't want people going after him i don't think she really cares one way or the other if they do frankly I, th- I don't think she wants her fans being nasty people, but I don't think she really cares one way or the other what they do. They're their own people, and she knows that. I yeah. think she was halfway protecting herself so he doesn't come after her. And for what it's worth, there was a blind item that his publicist reached out to her and said, you need to make a statement before Speak Now, your version comes out that makes it so that you are protected, so that John doesn't come after you, because he will. I find that easy to believe that at least something like that happened because John Mayer's publicist would be a shit publicist if he wasn't reading all the comments on John Mayer's social media and trying to strategize to like fix that for him. That's literally his publicist's job, you know, Yeah. better build his PR relations, like protect his reputation. And yeah, I believe that to a certain extent, I don't believe most blind items. Uh, I think Demois might've posted that one. And I pretty much, trust Dumois when it comes to blinds because they vet harder than most but regardless if you don't know what a blind item is it's basically when something is released to the media but so that there's no suing for libel uh, or slander but slander is verbal libel's written doesn't matter they 
say, like, instead of saying Taylor Swift, it would be like this A++ musician on this major tour. You know it's Taylor Swift. That's yeah. the way they get around stuff being leaked that they could be sued for. So who knows how real that blind was. But I believe that to a certain extent. And also because Taylor is probably trying to protect herself. She doesn't want to go through this again. Even yeah. if she says, I'm over it. No, you're not. You wrote what have, could have, should have two years ago. Yeah. And I think it's totally reasonable to like, you know, she doesn't want her fans being shitty on the internet. I know I would get shits and giggles if I had a fan base like hers that tore my exes to shreds. And I'm sure in private, she's like... <laughs> Essentially, they're kind of funny. They're probably a little, they're a little funny, you know. Like she knows the Swifties are funny, but she has to at least make a public statement showing that she's trying to prevent that. But I don't think she believed that she had the ability to prevent it. I don't think that she's like truly condemning her fans for doing shitty things. I don't think she loves it, but I don't think she thinks that she has the power to stop it. And I don't think that's what the speech was about. She wasn't actually trying to stop it because i think she's smart enough to know that unfortunately it's not gonna stop based off of her word alone so i think it was more to just be like i did make a statement this isn't my intention i'm not sicking my fans on you they're doing this of their own free will that's off of my hands i didn't tell them to do this i told them not to so you can deal with that and then on june 30th a couple days after this 2023 John Mayer opens for Ed Sheeran's concert at Gillette Stadium and Ed Sheeran and Taylor are buddies they share crossovers of fan bases and during the entirety of John's set Swifties were screaming dear John screaming she was only 19 at him and yikes (laughs) I don't think that men should get a pass for things that they did when they're younger because he was like he was like 32 at the time when everything went down like he was a grown-ass man I don't think that they should get a pass I think it's really interesting we're kind of in this age now where it's like hold people accountable hold people accountable and if I'm John's publicist and keep in mind I studied PR in college but I've never been a publicist so this is probably the wrong answer which is why I'm not a publicist is my career (laughs) if I'm John's publicist I'm saying the best move that he can make isn't being quiet because this isn't going away the best move to make is to go on some radio show and talk about what happened with Taylor and say yeah I really fucked up I did bad things and I've spent the better part of a decade trying to unravel the things that I did and she has held me accountable and I want to be better. That is what I would do. Whether it's true or not doesn't fucking matter. I mean, it matters, but for the purposes of PR, it doesn't fucking matter. This isn't going away. Taylor did what she could do. People are not going to relent here. No. And I think that a big reason why people aren't taking easy on him, it's not just about Taylor right Taylor's a massive superstar and her music impacts people and people relate to it and John Mayer is one of millions of men who took advantage of a much younger girl who was going through a really pivotal part in her life 18 through early 20s you know like being significantly older and taking advantage of them being naive and not really knowing and like kind of like fucking up their lives this is not a new concept this happens to people who aren't celebrities and John Mayer in a way has become kind of like the public representation of that man so it's not 
just about Taylor Swift and her experiences with him. It's not just about him and what he did to Taylor. It's that he represents what a man did to just this non-celebrity woman when she was 19 as well. And her frustrations are coming out on John Mayer because he's the public figurehead of that right now. So it's not just about Taylor Swift. Yeah, and she's shining that light, like I said earlier in the episode, so that hopefully this doesn't happen to as many young women. Because, Mm -hmm. you know, you hear the line and what have could have, should have, I would have stayed on my knees and I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. And that line is so universally almost relatable for so many girls. Like, man, the things I would say to the guy that I was interested in when I was 19. Now, he wasn't 32 years old, but he was older than me. And I just, I think about how heartbreaking it is that this is such an applicable conversation to so many people of being molded and manipulated in that way and like we've said if taylor stops this from happening to one girl one person if us breaking this down on the podcast helps stop it for one girl one person then it's worth it and he is that figurehead and he kind of earned that spot of being the figurehead absolutely and it, it is just stirring up conversation right and like making more and more women aware that that's not right, especially to the younger women who don't understand because they're, they, they think they're adults at 19 and like can date a 32 year old and not, there's no repercussions and it's not weird because they're an adult, right? They're freshly an adult and it doesn't feel weird to you when you're that age, but when you age and you look back and it's a lot of people in our direct generation, I feel like Danny, that are being the loudest about it because <laughs> we're pretty close in age with Taylor. And I, I've talked to like men before about this and they don't get it either. They're like, well, she's of consenting age. So like, I don't, I don't understand. Like what's, what's the big deal? Like, you know, whatever, whatever. And I think it's becoming more of a normalized thing in society that that's weird. And we're going to make men feel weird for being interested in a woman who is, 19 years old and they're in their late 20s or older because that is fucking weird there's a reason why you're not dating women your age Mm -hmm. but you don't see that when you're 19 you see i'm so lucky yeah to be chosen by an older man something really interesting about the song would have could have should have and i'm sure we'll do an analysis at some point but who knows how long that's going to be because we're kind of analyzing it now when she says the lyric, stained glass windows in my mind, I regret you all the time. And she talks about dancing with the devil and I would have stayed on my knees. She is using religion as a way to explain this relationship and losing faith in religion as a way of like losing faith in men. And I, I love that allegory because it is so it is, oh, it's so poignant and it's so on the nose and it's so beautiful to draw that comparison of losing your religion, losing your faith in the world and losing your faith in yourself and men and treating him like the figurehead of being the reason that she's lost her faith. And it's devastating to think that he impacted her that much of comparing him to something that tore her away from her faith in the world, lost her innocence, and the line, give me back my girlhood, it was mine first, is intended to sound childish because she is trying to tap into that childhood feeling that give me back my girlhood, it was mine first, is, it's oh, it's like the trauma is pouring out of her mouth and it's devastating. Because it's also like worse when you think about 
the Taylor, like the era Taylor she was when she was dabbling with John Mayer, that we're talking fearless era. Taylor Swift went through this. Like bright eyed, the world is mine to take. Love story, Taylor. Her music takes a shift after this and you can feel that. It's piece of her innocence was lost and it is devastating to me that John Mayer is what did it for her. To flip that coin, at the end of our Muses episodes, we always talk about the songs that have to do with him. And we were all kind of waiting to see what Speak Now Vault tracks would come out that might have to do with him. And she didn't release anything really scathing. She kept it safe. (laughs) She definitely kept it safe. I'm sure that there were songs that were written that were a little more raw, a little more emotional that she opted to not release. And Dear John, as she said, is her most scathing track ever. So it gave the context that she felt people needed at that time. However, I wanted to take a quick moment to talk about her vault tracks because we mentioned in last week's episode, and I think we might talk about it in the John Mayer episode, even if John Mayer pushed things too far, I fully believe that she was really, really attracted to him. And take away the fact that it's John Mayer for a second. Just pretend like it's any random guy. There is a lot of demonizing behind younger women talking about their sexuality it's less so today than it was 13 years ago but it still is taboo for women men can talk about it when they're 18 17 even even though that's gross women not so much hypersexuality surrounding women is just not as allowed for some reason Taylor Swift was exploring her own sexuality and her own feelings when she was 19, and I feel like we see that in one vault track in particular that she chose not to release, I Can See You. I do not think it's about Taylor Lautner. I fully believe that it is about John Mayer. And there's not Mm -hmm. enough detail in there to say that, but Olivia pointed out that she made a genius PR move by making that music video (laughs) have nothing to do with the storyline. Why? To take the story off of who the song is about. Why would she want to take the story off who the song is about? That doesn't usually bother her. Ooh, maybe it's because it's about somebody that she doesn't want it associated with. Yeah. Or like that is already in the hot seat and she's been like asked public, like by a, a publicist, knock it off over there you're causing issues (laughs) yeah right (laughs) and you know on top of that there's lyrics in this song like we kept everything professional they did their song together but something's changed they keep a watchful or watchful eyes on us everybody and her family and her friends like her mom hated him her dad hated him yeah and there was a lot of time between them talking professionally to meet up and do the song and doing the song and then several months pass of this weird professional relationship with him before they ignited something and it feels like to me there's no other option I know people try to argue well she was in the movie Valentine's Day with Taylor Lautner before like they started dating so like they kept it professional I mean yeah they kept it professional for like half the filming and then started dating and why why does a teenage couple need to hide their feelings for each other? They were they were pretty obvious. I can see you kind of implies to me an inappropriate relationship. And she's got the lyric in like the first stanza, I've been watching you for ages and I spend my time trying not to feel it. The, yeah. it, it she didn't need to do that with Taylor Lautner. No. So it's okay that something, someone rather, 
turned her on when she was that young. And I think, unfortunately, some of the men who I've had the hots for, the strongest in my life, are also the men that were the worst for me and sometimes the worst to me. Do not, listener, hear me right now. Don't do that. If you get a bad feeling about a guy or he's treating you like shit, I know you might be attracted to him. Don't go there. You can be attracted to somebody who doesn't make you feel like shit. But it's totally possible for two things to exist concurrently. You're turned on by somebody and they treat you like shit. And, you know, in this situation, too, where she's, like, trying not to feel it, that builds a lot of tension and a lot of desire and a lot of, like, pining for somebody is that you feel like you shouldn't be with them. Your parents are telling you, no, don't be with him. Like, it makes her want him more. I feel like every girl at some point in their young life has been called a tease. And I hate that. I hate that so much. But it's really, really common. And if I had to, like, if I had to guess why John Mayer was so sexually frustrated and so pissed is because Taylor was beginning to feel that sexuality maybe fully for the first time in her life at this age. To that point, you know, because it is so taboo, so frequently taboo for women to talk about that kind of thing. I am really proud of her for writing this down on paper, and I understand why she didn't release it. And I think that John Mayer just awakened something in her, and that's kind of what happened. Yeah, and I mean, he's one of those guys that was very full of himself. If you don't believe us and you haven't listened to the first episode, you can go listen. We we read quotes that came straight out of his mouth. He knows that he's talented. And those types of men who know that they're talented are dangerous because they have inflated confidence. And when you're first meeting someone like that, that confidence comes off as like really self-assured and attractive. Confidence Mm -hmm. is one of the most attractive things that I find in people. And he oozes it. And I bet you he's very good at being charming. Like you mentioned this, Danny, that he liked to sing his duets when he's recording them with that person in the studio. So they feel the emotions of the song together. And like poor Taylor, who hadn't experienced a man that likely is straightforward like that. I mean, she's dated teenagers up until John Mayer, like (laughs) dated teenagers who were just like wishy-washy, broke up with her over the phone. Like didn't know how to be charming to a woman a grown woman you know like this was her first time with an adult adult man who knew what he was doing and his arrogance killed him in the end because he thought that he had earned had deserved the affection or the sex or whatever it was and that obviously is not the case it's never the case like nobody deserves that from you it's it's totally your prerogative on what you do or don't do and I think that even though in the end what he did to her was awful and the way that he kind of ruined her perception to a certain degree of innocence and of life, it is one of those things where even though those things happen, he still sexually awakened her and I stand by that and I can see you and it's okay that she talked about it and it's okay if it was him that did that to her. On the flip side, there's also the song Foolish One. Which I think might also be about him. I don't really know. I don't know. We don't have like strong evidence. And I'm okay existing in the world not knowing what every romantic Taylor Swift song is about. Because sometimes she doesn't spell it out for us. Sometimes she keeps it a little more generic and not obvious. 
And foolish one, you know, there isn't that strong evidence. But Olivia pointed out before we started recording that it's kind of about this back and forth relationship. And it could be some context to him saying, you are not the exception. You will never learn your lesson. It could have some understanding there of he has been known to not be great to his girlfriends. You are not the exception, Taylor. And whether or not Foolish One or even I Can See You is about John Mayer, as we always say, doesn't matter. What matters, at least from our perspective, is context that helps fill in the gaps of our parasocial relationship we have with her and the one that she has with us. Absolutely. Sometimes she does make it more obvious, right? Like, I damn sure never would have danced with the devil at 19. She knew what that at 19 bit was going to do if she wanted it to be more general and like didn't want us talking why did she have to include that she could have not included an age she Mm -hmm. could just said when i was young something she would have made it more poetic but if you listen to us break down which songs that we thought were about john mayer in our original episode obviously dear john is like a dead giveaway the story of us, the hidden message was CMT Music Awards where they had an awkward run-in. So the story of us is about him. We believe ours is about them. It's about a relationship that everyone says is doomed to fail because, like, she should stay away from him. But this love is ours. Like, they don't they don't know you like I do. It's, it gives very, very John Mayer. pretty clear, you know? yeah. And the one that we were kind of discussing that like we can kind of see that it's about him is superman and i noticed something that seals the deal for me it's about john mayer period there's no room for debate in my opinion and a lot of people like to debate that this song is about her dad which just gives me the ick yeah I guess let's talk about just the general lyrics of Superman. We barely touched on Superman. We're not passionate about Superman, but tall, dark, and Superman. I mean, John Mayer has that tall, dark, handsome vibe, like, unfortunately. Like, he's not the worst-looking guy in the world. Mm. He's complicated. He's irrational. He's not all bad, like his reputation. And I can't hear one single word they say. Mm. Mm-hmm. But that's not it. What seals the deal is Dear John is definitely about John Mayer, right? The secret message that she spelled out in her lyric booklet says, loved you from the very first day for Dear John. And in Superman, she sings, I always forget to tell you I love you. I loved you from the very first day. (gasps) Watch Superman fly away. Oh my God. (gasps) I am okay. Yep, Yep, that's it. That's done. It's dusted. That's it. Seal the deal. Mm Mm-mm. That is not about her dad, you guys. Oh my god. <laughs> that is about John Mayer. That is so crazy. About, like, she's like looking up to him and she's like, I just want you to love me. But he keeps on quote flying away, saving the world. She looked up to him because he was an idol to her. He was Superman to her. He he did everything that she wanted to achieve. He was this musical genius. She looked up to him. <laughs> That's crazy. Honestly, I I can't believe we didn't notice that before. No but... one talks about that. It hit me like it just whacked me in the face. Like the That's Superman amazing. is on Speak Now Taylor's version. And I was like, wait, wait, <laughs> hold <Wow>. on. <laughs> Nobody talks about that. Huh. Well, we are now or you are now. Yeah. I'm very, I get excited when like something 
naturally comes to me and I put the pieces together instead of reading that somebody else put the pieces together. So that's why I'm so excited. I'm not passionate I, about Superman by any means, but always wondered why that was <laughs> why that was the secret message. Loved you from the very first day. I watched Superman. But you're right. She looked up to John Mayer as like this idol, this figure. And unfortunately, again, I don't meet your heroes moment. Crazy to me that Dear John, the story of us and Superman and ours are all on the same album. Yeah. I watched Superman fly away. You've got a busy day today. Go save the world. I'll be around and I'll watch Superman fly away. Come back. I'll be with you someday. I'll be right here on the ground when you come back down. She was so obsessed with him. So obsessed with him. And again, I cannot hammer this point in enough. I feel like I've said this a hundred times in this episode. It is okay. Not really okay, but it is normal to have a simultaneous feeling of, I am so into this guy. I'm so turned on by this guy. I idolize this guy. And also recognizing that he is bad for you. That happens to so many girls. It's a canon event. We cannot interfere, (laughs) even though we try to. So she's not bad or in the wrong for feeling those things simultaneously. And she didn't welcome his mistreatment by idolizing him. Yeah. Also, would have, could have, should have was track 19. Forgot to mention that earlier. Yeah, it was. Mm -hmm. Do you think that sometimes she finds herself in a hell of her own making by making Easter eggs what they are? I feel like at one point, maybe, but I feel like she's at the point where she's like, ah, fuck it. And I bet she does some that no one has noticed yet, which is what makes it fun for her. What did you tailor this week, even though I'm pretty sure I know what it is? Loved you from the very first day. <laughs> <laughs> I'm shook to my core. I say learned that there were those Swifties that tried to buy the condo <laughs> with the stained glass windows in it. I think that's so funny. Very iconic content. So funny. Swifties being I the funniest that. fandom out there once again. Gosh. So chaotic. <laughs> what are we talking about next week? So next week, we're going to continue on our Mental Cages series of our mental health-inspired song analyses, and we're going to take a magnifying lens on the song The Archer, which I feel like consistently gets overlooked in the fandom, so we're going to be here to break it down for you. I've been the archer, I've been I'm very, very jazzed about doing that one because The Archer recently has entered my cycle of music that I've been listening to quite a bit. Yeah. Like, I hyperfixate Swift on... hyperfixation. Yeah, <laughs> yep. yeah right? Yep. <laughs> hyperfixate on certain Taylor Swift songs. And very recently, The Archer has been a hyperfixation, which I guess I'll talk to my therapist about. To that point, I cannot wait to tear it apart and to continue with the Mental Cages series. I also think it is a good time to remind everybody that after the U.S. leg of the Eras Tour concludes, we'll probably have like one last finale episode for season two, and then we are going to take a break. I'm going to Australia mm-hmm. for a few weeks, and mm-hmm. we have been going straight since, like we've been recording since the first week of January. So we're just going to take a little break. You'll catch us more on TikTok, maybe more on Instagram, but we're just going to take a little season break and probably get back into it in October. 
go ahead and send us an email if you would like to taylearningpodcast at gmail.com. As a reminder, we're compiling responses right now from misheard lyrics. The funnier, the better. But any mm-hmm. misheard lyrics that you have, please email them to us. We've loved reading the ones so far we've gotten. We'll be doing an episode in season three talking about popular misheard Taylor Swift lyrics. Yeah. And send us any thoughts you have at all. Your feedback, your just general Taylor Swift if you want to vent. We're here to listen. We try to respond, but again, on our break, it'll be easier to catch up. I will say, I think that we are better at checking our Instagram DMs if, like, something acute happens. Like, oh my god, I'm in the queue for Taylor Swift tickets right now! Or something like that, and you just, like, need someone to bounce off of. That's where we will likely reply the fastest. Um, But if you have any, like, ideas for episodes or want to submit your funny misheard lyrics, I would definitely email us because we can keep them, keep track of it better for future episodes. Ideas for episodes is a huge one because you guys tag us in a lot of TikToks and a lot of Instagram posts being like, Mm -hmm. you guys should talk about this. And that's great. But frankly, we get a lot of those. And so compiling them is more difficult. If you have an idea that you're very passionate about and you want us to break down, want us to talk about, please send it to us in an email. We have a master doc that we track everything on and that would yeah. be very helpful. And I will say that um, doing the folklore love triangle was because someone emailed us asking us to do that. So that's, that's we make the email ones happen. We really, really try. We try to make all of them happen, but that one's easier for sure. Yeah. Be sure to rate us wherever you listen to us. I've been watching our rating numbers, like not the score or whatever, but the amount of people who rate us has been going up. So please continue to do that, yeah. especially when we're on our break. It's really difficult when we're on a break to continue promoting the podcast because we're not putting out new content. So mm-hmm. please keep sharing us with your friends. We are consistently in like the top 50 music podcasts, which is crazy. And we're so Insane. honored that you guys like this this much, <laughs> but in order to keep it like that and to keep this content rolling out consistently, the more you share us, the easier that is. Yep. Thank you for joining us for our first The Muses from the Vault. We'll try to continue doing these. I know we have more to talk about Taylor Lautner at some point in the future. Probably cover that in season three. Yeah. But for this week, my name is Danny. And I'm Olivia. Thanks for listening. Sayonara. I can't believe that about Superman. I can't believe people have the audacity to argue that that song is about her fucking dad. Like, the people that do that only listen to the fucking chorus because, like, we can one day when we analyze Superman, (laughs) but like, I'll watch you fly around the world and I hope you don't save some other girl. She's not thinking that about her fucking dad. And don't forget about me. I'm far away, but I'll never let you go. I'm love struck and looking out the window. If somebody said that about their dad, like Sigmund Freud is right once again. And I get like, I watched Superman fly away. You've got a busy day today. Like I get it. Like that can seem fatherish, but it's not.